Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good morning! Top of the morning. It is, it is officially the... afternoon. It is literally right on the morning. Good peak. nooning to you, Nick. Oh, why good noon, Liam? What? Why, what time is it? Is it... Sit down, stay a while, and I'll tell you a story. Weary traveller upon this lonesome railroad. Oh, great. Is it going to be quite a linear why fashion? Why would they build tale? a campfire on a train? <laughs> I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. This is JoJo's World, hashtag JoJo's World World Tour. Um, <laughs> we are doing stuff that is not JoJo's World today because we're travelling. We're going across. This is our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast where today we are recapping and discussing the much-forgotten 2000-ish anime, Bacano. Hey, you're coming to me with a Bacano, huh? In my house, you bring her the bacano. Eh, hey, ironically, a... I don't actually have a bacano. You know, I really thought we'd move past the Italian accents. No, nah, nah, never. Literally, <laughs> anytime anyone listens to this show, they're going to go, oh, that's that... Oh, that's, that's that thing that's you know, kind of offensive. Yeah, where that anime is obsessed with Italy, and so the hosts are like, hey, Italy, and that's it. That's all they that's, do. That's the only thing they have... Go- it's not the only thing we have going for us. I posted a list of my favourite recurring jokes from this podcast Ooh, on Twitter. Did you? And people have enjoyed it. Yeah, I looked at it. Because I told you to. Yeah, and then I, I retweeted I'm it. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one. This is co-hosts. JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Recap and Discussion Podcast, where today we are recapping and discussing Bacano. Okay, so what is Bacano, Liam? Bacano. And why couldn't we find it? Which I believe is an Italian for something like noisy ruckus. Ah. Is an ensemble crime Slash magic supernatural bullshit. anime. Yep. C- a crime slash train anime. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new genre of anime. Which tells the story mm-hmm. set predominantly in Prohibition era United States America. 1931-ish. Yeah. Anywhere outside or within that time frame. With some diversions to various other time frames. 19 19- Fuck off in the future. And it predominantly focuses on one very spooky train journey. But also delves into the events and people before and after the train. Train. Ruckus. Uh, As the title uh, sort of seems to imply, it's just a, a big cacophonous series of events. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of people each... Trying to have a pleasant train journey or put their own sinister plans into action upon this very same train. I think within the two episodes that we watched, I can count four sinister plans already. Yeah. And it's not going to go down in number anytime soon. No, I can think of at least one sinister plan that hasn't really come to the fore yet. Oh my god. And keep in mind... Okay, so... Barkano, Nick, this is new to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I watched this when I was probably in my later years of high school, so that's over 10 years ago, yep. and I had not really thought about it since. And then, a singular YouTube video. What I remember... Yeah. Okay, so what I remember is, um, without giving anything away... This is like part one JoJo's, except I, rem- I remembered you. that first scene with Firo that we'll be discussing. Yep. I remembered, um... Wait, the first scene with Firo? Yeah. Where he's talking about poems and shit? No, where he's giving uh, money to a beggar, and then we'll Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. Yep. I remember just sort of the whole basic vibe of Isaac and Maria Mm -hmm. and uh, and Jacuzzi Splot, but Mm -hmm. not really any of their plot details. Yep. And we will come to learn that they have shaped you in ways you don't even know. (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) Um... 
Oh, and I also remember the whole basic deal of Lad Russo and his wife, mm-hmm. or fiancé. Okay, yep. I also remember something about the rail tracer, but I'm not going to give any further details. Okay, alright. Because the rail tracer sounded like it's a, a ghost childhood... story. Yeah, it sounded like a childhood tale of some kind to scare kids from going on trains yeah. too much. But, okay, sure. So, I don't really know any events that are going to happen beyond, like, you know, you know how, like, just like a still of a shot will, will see you into your memory with, without any context. Yeah. Like I could, there's a, sh- in the, the second episode we'll be discussing today, there's a shot of um, sweet, stupid boy, jacuzzi splot running down a train carriage looking very fearful. Mm. Uh, it could be that happens a, a lot in this show and that's why that's stuck in my brain. But I thought I saw one of those shots and said, oh yeah, I remember that shot. I remember that one specific shot that was also in episode one. <laughs> How interesting. So, Bacano. Bacano. Noisy Ruckus is based on a, um, a series of light novels. Of light novels? By, uh... No wonder it's fucking crazy. <laughs> Ryogo Narita and illustrated by Katsumi Anami. The series, often told from multiple points of view, is mostly set within a fictional United States during various time periods, but mostly focusing on the Prohibition era. Mm. Focuses on various people, including alchemists, thieves, thugs, mafiosi, and camoristi. What? Now, the camorra, that's a thing. Um, that is an, another Italian maf- mafia type. Okay, cool. What's the difference between a camorra and a mafia? Um, you know what? I don't really know. Oh, it's an Italian mafia type organisation or secret society originating in Naples, Italy. Ooh, secret society. Uh, as distinct from the Sicilian mafia we often talk about. So, uh, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the yeah. other, really. There's Italy, there's mafia, there's guns. And no... <laughs> Never the twain shall meet. <laughs> Never. So a bit of background on the creation of Bacano. Mm-hmm. Ryogo Narita wanted to write a story set during Prohibition and chose light novel as the medium because not many of them had that setting. Great. He believed this choice would better attract the attention of ASCII Media Works judges. ASCII? You mean ASCII? I guess ASCII Media Works judges. Is that a joke? No. no. After Narita saw the, untou- the Untouchables, he spent about 10 days working with inspirations and created Bacano, quote, out of his useless calculations. <laughs> While writing the first novel, he consulted many books and mixed fictional elements with historical situations. The story he originally planned was about an ancient magician who was revived during the Prohibition and began to terrorise New York City. A group of mafiosi then violently opposed the magician. However, the story became very different from this initial concept. Mm. Now we have a train. Yeah, now there's a train. <laughs> Uh, he never wrote a more detailed outline and sort of allowed the plot to evolve sort of organically, yep. which is something you don't really see a lot in media these days, but it was a lot more common, I think, in the days of, like, Charles Dickens, even through to, say, um, J.R.R. Tolkien, where mm. I believe it was more common for these stories to be published chapter by chapter in periodicals or whatever. Mm. And that's why, you know, there's a whole heap of Tom Bombadil bullshit and Great Expectations has a lot of chapter by chapter cliffhangers and such. Right, okay. It was a it was a piece of its time, kind of ish, sort of. Not well, really. This, this isn't, but, but those stories. Those were, ones. But this is sort of that. This feels the creation of this feels sort of uh, stylistically that, similar to me. That's sort as of a vibe. result. Yeah. Okay. In this original variation of the story, uh, Miser Avaro was a hypnotist, Ennis was a succubus, and Zillard was a magician. In addition, every member of the Camorra, except for Firo, did not survive. Ooh. Despite the great difference between the characters' initial concepts and the result, Narita is glad these ideas were not used in the finished novel. (laughs) 
they would have attracted too much attention from what really mattered. Prohibition. Yeah. And now just I've got a bit on the anime adaptation too. Oh, okay. Here we go. We watched the, the dub, but interesting trivia is interesting trivia. What? We watched the yep. sub. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, there you go. So while creating the anime series, art director Ito Satoshi and other sca- uh, other staff members went to Manhattan and other neighbourhoods of New York. Cool. Seeking to accurately portray the area, including cool. Hell's Kitchen, Chinatown, Little Italy, Grand Central Terminal, and various Brooklyn and East River locales. Cool. Many of which are the backdrop of Bacano. Eh. And the staff... Oh, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. The staff also visited the Steamtown National Historic Site to create accurate steam locomotives. <laughs> so they went somewhere with to steam look at stuff trains, just to be like, "Ooh, this one has look a lot at of that steam." Big beautiful train. Oh, that's a decoration type. <laughs> Wait, what's this place? The Steamtown National Historic Site. Because I know that you have visited a train museum in the past. No, I haven't. Don't lie to me. I haven't. Liam, come on now. Nick, you are a train enthusiast. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to come clean. I'm a fake train guy. You're a fake train I guy? I like the idea of talking about trains on a podcast, but I don't really know or care anything about them. Liam, for years, I thought That's you meant That's not that... true. You've never heard me talk about trains before about two weeks ago. For years, I thought you meant you were a fake train guy, not a fake train guy. What do you mean for years? For years, Liam. Literal ages of our lives wasted on trying to find the perfect birthday present for you and saying, get it? It's a train You've joke. You've never going, bought me a birthday present, Nick. That's true, I never have. <laughs> and now and we I know never why. <laughs> Every year I go, oh yeah, he's, he's into trains. And then you go, man, trains are lame. And I go, oh, <laughs> okay. To write the dub script, uh, Tyler Walker watched various movies featuring gangsters, uh, including The Untouchables, mm-hmm. uh, especially Robert De Niro's portrayal of Al Capone. Ah, very nice. And other movies included The Public Enemy, Little Caesar, Once Upon a Time in America, and Miller's Crossing, because he believed they would give him a truer feel on pe- how people of the era sounded. Mm. He wanted to capture the lingo and rhythm because Bacano is a stylized gangster flick and because of the nature of the anime, he made the dialogue more flowery and lingo written than it would have been in reality. I see. I see. And of course, The That's Untouchables fun. is an American crime film directed by Brian De Palma. Of course. Who's in it? Oh, well, Nick, I'm glad you asked. Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. Charles Martin Smith, Andy Garcia, Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. It follows Elliot Ness as he forms the Untouchables to bring down Al Capone Ooh. during Prohibition. Is this the one with the really good gunfight or is that Heat? I don't know, man. Mm. What do you want from me? Everything. <laughs> it's probably Heat since um, this is probably not set in the 80s. A side-scrolling video game, The Untouchables, was released by Ocean Software in 1989 on multiple platforms. The game plays out some of the more significant parts of the film set in Chicago. The primary goal of the game is to take down Al Capone's henchmen and eventually detain Capone. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, it's me, Al Capone. I love that early computer game's voice modulation. <laughs> it's just like... Um, yeah, Al Capone only speaks in... And that's it. Yeah, it's Al Capone by way of Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, um... Bacano. Bacano is Crazy. not available anywhere. <laughs> we literally We were like, spent... oh, yeah, we can just boot up Crunchyroll and watch a couple of episodes of Bacano. Not on Crunchyroll. Not on Anime Lab. Not on Netflix. 
Not even on YouTube. Not even on some more popular, dubiously legal anime <laughs> streaming websites. Which we have not used and don't recommend. <laughs> How did we watch it? A mystery that we will never tell. I mean, we actually watched it very legally, but, you know. Did yeah. you say very legally or very illegally? I'm not willing to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we killed a man and watched it in the blood playing on his entrails through dark magics. Mm. Very illegally. We brought in our succubus friend, um, Eliza, and she was all like, guys, 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 guys. You've drawn out the circle so poorly. Come on, like this. And we were like, oh. So it spells out 1930. She's like, yes. Guys, you guys are such amateurs at this. Come on. Now drink the blood. And we drank the blood. And then once the blood was drunk, we were all like, is this evil? Are we doing evil right now? <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure I was all like, nah, we're not doing evil. And then Bacano was summoned. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm putting a stop to and, this oh. now. I've got some trivia here, but I will get to it when we get to it. Okay, all right. I'll believe you. I'll believe that you have trivia. I don't believe that we'll get to it. Bacano, episode one. <gasps> the assistant editor refuses to discuss the possibility that he is the main character. What? And now you know what Bacano episode titles are like. So episode one is confusing. Mm -hmm. Confronting. So, a quick synopsis. Mm -hmm. In 1932, two reporters investigate a gangster war and a bizarre incident. A transcontinental train was hijacked by two gangs who were then massacred by a monster aboard the train. Interesting. So, episode one is... I did not get that vibe from the first episode. <laughs> the thing with episode one of this show, Bacana... The thing about episode one... Is that it is... Everything around the actual events of the show. We are given brief vignettes with every significant character and they're all talking about this horrible train ride. We see before it, we see after it, we see brief fragments of events that will occur in this show. But we haven't seen any of the important stuff. Yeah. So we see various characters who have been kicked off or have disembarked the train after it arrived at its destination. We see, we spend some time with various characters who are waiting to meet them at the station, but again, before, during and after the trip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's very weird. Yes. Because the whole time that's happening, we are being talked both at and to by a small girl. By the vice director and Carol. <laughs> Carol, who is a young, sweet Innocent, Sweet, innocent, naive, no, okay. foolish child. Before before we get into the events of the episode, we should talk about the delightful opening. Okay, yes. Which we which have seen. Which is helpful. Which we've... Uh... We've seen twice. Of, we've watched like four times today because we while I was trying to find a place to watch Bacan, because we don't do any pre-work on this podcast anymore. Oh, no. Uh, uh, I put it on YouTube, then I put on the recreation of the opening with Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 Vento Oreo characters, and mwah. then we watched two episodes, each with it. Beautiful. So it's a, just a quick little series of vignettes of each of our main characters. So, like, things like Maria and Isaac at Who the are start. robbing a convenience store. For sweet, sweet chocolate. Yep. That's basically their whole vibe. Mm -hmm. A man named Fairo Procinezzo puts on a fedora with his friend Miza Avaro. The Gandorf crime family are all playing poker together. Mm -hmm. A man called Szilard Quates is being sinister. And a woman named Ennis is in the reflection of his bottle. We, uh, we get uh, the bottle transitions into the uh, bucket. The ice bucket of champagne. That is being... Carted to a room To the, the red-haired young conductor The young conductor Who does not get a name in this uh, sequence But had a pretty significant moment in episode 2 
Yeah. Ben will never see him again. <laughs> uh, also aboard the train are Lua Klein, a young woman in a bridal dress, and her white-suited fiancé Lad Russo, certified psychopath. He's throwing a dart at a dartboard on the door, which turns into a knife mm-hmm. stabbed into the door. By pulled Chane, out by or Chain, Chain, Chain Lafourette. Lafourette. Oh, same surname as Huey Lafourette, the man that the mm. orchestra cult seek to free. Yeah. Nice Holy Stone is a woman covered in burn marks and with an eye patch. And she's running from some kind of explosion or yep. out a door or with something. With her friend Jacuzzi Splot, the most anxious man who has ever lived. <laughs> Literally his defining character trait so far is that he just goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't... I hate I didn't, myself, oh I'm God. Jacuzzi. Oh and then everyone around him is like, that Jacuzzi is such a nice boy. Yeah, he's so apologetic though. He needs to have some self-confidence. Eve Genoard is reading a book. Dallas Genoard uh, seems to be drowning... Yeah, I think that's an accurate portrayal with cards. Yep. Oh, then a young boy, Cheslaw Meyer. Has some cards. He's playing cards with, though she doesn't get a... Um, a name. The senator's daughter. Hmm. More on that later. She... And that's that's the broad overview reference of our main characters that Nick is going to have to pay attention to every episode. And I'll just go, who was that guy again? Mm. Was that... Is that Cheslaw guy the guy who's... who's um? You know, he's part of the mafia. You'll be like, no, it's not a mafia. No, he's a child. (laughs) Come on. So we open. It's the middle of the night, basically. Carol, a young woman in a nightgown. I'm sorry, young girl in a nightgown. Yep. Because... She seems to be some sort of old child. Yeah, like 11, 12, maybe younger. Who knows? Maybe older. I'm not sure. Definitely not a teen. on top of a table with a heap of documents being like, ah, yes, the story. And then... The vice director, a very smug man in a three-piece suit with a scarf and a glinting monocle comes in and is like, Carol, what are you doing up at night? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just trying to piece things together. that's what Carol sounds like. I was was simply trying to piece together things. The mysterious stories that started in November 1930. And then they talk for a long time about, about, like, information. why would you choose to say that this story started in 1930? Really? In the telling of the story, you could choose to start at any point in the history. Why the events on that ship in the 1700s, mm-hmm. or the events in, you know, the, the mafia wars leading up to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, or anything that happened after it. Chronology doesn't matter. Information is free from our perception. Carol, do you remember what I told you the time we rode a train? Oh, look, it's a rainbow! Yes, but re- Carol, what are rainbows? Uh, they're pretty. You see, there there are those who do not know that a rainbow was merely, merely a refraction of light and could think of it as a prelude to natural disaster, Carol. Ah, uh, but it's... The vegetation at the foot of that rainbow could be on fire, Carol. <laughs> Carol. He just says Carol a lot, like, Carol. I start knocking on the door and I'm like, Carol. Here's Carol. Tell me, Carol, where's the money? Vice Director, I didn't Carol, don't play dumb and with they, me. He he sips his tea and his monologue is ever his monologue. His we monocle all, is glinting ever so strongly all the time. Speaking of noisy ruckus, we have already flashbacked yes. to a time on the train yeah. where she's looking out and going, a pretty rainbow, and he's sitting on the train well lit with his monocle sipping tea. These two, they're a framing device essentially. We come to learn over the course of their conversation that they are journalists for a newspaper and that they are interested in the story of this train ride. But how to tell it? So many moving parts, so many people, each of their own motivations. And each 
with a very different name, like Jacuzzi Splot. Or Cheslaw Meyer. Or Lad Russo. They have this dumb dynamic where he asks her a question and she answers it. He gives her an arbitrary amount of points. And then she says, but how, how many points is that out of? You know, information itself is arbitrary. Our job is to relay information, Carol. Carol, listen to me, Carol. Carol. Carol, Carol, you do not understand the necessity of information, Carol. You see, Carol, the moment we obtain information, we must decide whether that information is true or false, Carol. You see, Carol, if two people give you conflicting points of view about whether it is raining, our job, Carol, is not to relay both points of view, Carol. Our job, Carol, is to look out the window and determine, Carol, whether it is raining, Carol. For we are journalists, Carol. Where does the rainbow fit in, Mr. <laughs> Director? We can't stop thinking after determining authenticity, Carol. Our responsibility is to hand verified information over to the people. Oh, so the rainbow is pretty. So as he's giving this train lecture, he is folding a piece of paper in the flashback mm. and then he snaps it and that her response to that in the present of the midnight conversation is a response to him having folded that same shape. In a different newspaper. Outside of the flashback. Unless it's the same newspaper? Seems unlikely. So why did you think the story started in November 1930, Carol? Uh, well, that's when the it starts. That's that's when it starts. And you call yourself the existent, the assistant of myself, the Daily Day's vice director, Gustave Saint-Germain. <gasps> that's Gustave. right, it's me, Saint-Germain. <laughs> I'm in this show too, Carol. He's broken through the barrier. <laughs> he went through the infinite corridor and he came out in a much less cooked show. <laughs> or is it? Oh no. How much occultism is there in this show? For example, this, this is the, the most quintessential shot of episode one. He's leaning in close. He looks really stern and he's saying, for example, Carol... <laughs> Oh, I remember, this was just in response to himself saying, You call yourself my assistant, Carol. For example, Carol, <laughs> we could look at the year 1711, the ship Advina Avis. <gasps> What's on the ship Advina Avis? And we see, this man, he looks a bit like um, Firo's mentor, doesn't he? What's his name? Uh... Miser? Miser? No, not Miser. Maybe Miser. He I'm looks a sure. bit like him, doesn't he? I guess, a little. But everyone looks like each other in this show. He's got the same spectacles. Uh. And we see this man, who again looks like Miser, on the ship. Mm. And we can see a pentacle has been carved into the deck. <gasps> a five-pointed star with satanic it's implications. A, what, a pentacle? That's yeah. a pentagram. Oh, sorry, a pentacle is something Come on, else. if you listen to any Slayer, you would know very well what a pentacle is. Or rather, a pentagram. How foolish of me, Nick. A, pe a pentacle is merely a talisman or magical object, typically disc-shaped and inscribed with a pentagram. Mm, which you would have... Secondary meaning. A pentagram. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, what? Fuck you. <laughs> no, hang on a minute here! Wait. Wait, a pentagram uses a symbol of the element of Earth, a pentagram, one of the suits in some tarot packs corresponding to coins and others... What? This word has just been misappropriated. I know I'm not having it. I'm not having it. It's a pentagram. All right? It's a pentagram. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. So we could talk about that ship crossing the Atlantic, or we could talk about the events on the transcontinental train, the flying pussyfoot that was secretly swept under the rug. <gasps> but what happened on the transcontinental Cut express train? Cut to young boy jacuzzi splot running down the train looking scared. Carol looks at... Despite all of that, Carol, you have chosen November 1930 as the start of the story. Carol! Well, yeah, 
I thought it was a good starting point. I'm really point. pushing for Carol as the name of this <laughs> podcast episode. As soon, as soon as I get any words and you're like, Nick, Carol. Yeah, I should just start talking to you like this guy talks to Carol. <laughs> Why, Nick? Why do you think that's what's going to happen in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure next, Nick? Well, I mean, they did say that there would be something to do with a train and then that that meant that the train would would go forward. Carol. <laughs> Okay, so Carol says, well, I chose 1930 because I just, I considered the difficulty of comprehending this story. Which, by the way, fair. When we first caught hint of this story, November 1930 is what we first came across. Ah, I see, Carol. But that would be a foolish... 156 points, Carol. (gasps) Out of how many? However, Carol, (laughs) moving on, you shouldn't think only about the chronology. You should think about, and then quick cut to... Mm-hmm. There's a quick like shink of a halberd. Is that is that a halberd? I thought or a halberd a spear, was an axe, like a star-pointed spear, a javelin, a, a thing. And Isaac is like, ow! And Maria, his number two, his best friend, or something more. Some- oh, it's like Isaac, no! And his ear is being cut by this spear. And how about we consider that peculiar duo of robbers as the lead characters in our story? (gasps) Main characters! Or Uh, the boy with a cursed destiny. And we see young boy from the opening, Cheslaw Meyer, getting shot in the face by Ladrisso, covered in blood on his white suit. Oh my god. And his head explodes. Or the intelligent executive of the Gandor crime family. And we see Luck Gandor getting shot up by a Tommy gun. (gasps) Not Luck Gandor? Who the fuck is that? (laughs) These characters will all begin to make some sense as we get through the show. Man, what a noisy ruckus. It is indeed. But what about this young man? And we see there's this beggar in the street being like, spare some change, spare some change. And uh, a guy in a pretty nice suit just walks the past The first him. character we introduced to into the opening, Firo Prochenitzo. Ah, is it Firo or Firo? I don't care. Let's call him Firo because Firo sounds yeah. weird. Firo Prochenitzo. Hey, you come into my house and you bring me a bag. He's wearing a pleasant green suit. He has a nice demeanour. Carol even says he seems lead character-ish. Yeah, I'd say he seems lead character Despite the fact he never sets foot on this very train that we are considering. I guess he doesn't, know. Because we see him at the end of this episode greeting the train passengers as they disembark. True. Huh. Seems to me there's more to this story than meets the eye, Nick. Yeah, what if it's not just about the train? train? What if there's some kind of of noisy ruckus? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Firo, he's in a green suit. He's in a good mood. He's like, hey, have a couple of bucks, beggar. I'm in a good mood today. And the beggar's all like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. May the guardians look over you. Firo's moving on and he's like, hey, man, I may seem main character-ish, but I'm also kind of cynical. Stop playing devout just when it suits you, beggar. Bye. And and the beggar's like, no, no, please allow me to give you a gift, generous sir. The flower was I picked this morning. Oh, they'd already be wilted, I dare say. I guess they would be. <laughs> and he pulls out a knife. Runs at Firo. Firo catches it in his hand. Jonathan Joestar style. This this burgeoning REO speed wagon is like, you better not withdraw your fingers, mate. One twitch from my wrist and your fingers will be cut from the bone. But Firo is no Jonathan Joestar. He does not kick this beggar so hard that he becomes his friend. No. He actually just loses a couple fingers. Yeah. So the... Uh, we see the fingers hit the ground. But... The blood on the blade. But then the blood on the blade. 
begins to fly backwards. And the beggar's like, what, what? the fuck? Firo is understandably in quite a bit of pain. He's clutching his forehead, but then his fingers are gone. After a few seconds, the fingers reattach themselves as if by magic. <gasps> are you telling me there's magic in this show? And he's entirely composed again. And he's like, did you not know that I am Firo Procinezzo of the Martillo crime family? <gasps> and he punches that guy in the face. Oh my God. And then uh, the... However, Carol, <laughs> did you not consider that... Depending on who you place at the center of the same incident, the characteristics of the incident change as if in a kaleidoscope. He says kaleidoscopically. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Just in the most dramatic fashion. It's kind of like Rashomon. Uh, what is Rashomon? That's a Japanese film in which um, the like a series of events concerning a murder, I believe, it's been a while, mm-hmm. are told repeatedly from the perspective of different characters involved in the incident and the telling changes based on the perspective we are following. Ah. And it's about the subjectiveness of memory and things like that. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Interesting. What's it called again? Rashomon. Rashomon. There's a good joke in um, Bored to Death starring um, Jason Schwartzman uh, by, I want to say, Jonathan Frakes. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Jonathan Frakes. Riker from Star Trek no, Next Generation. No, Jonathan Frakes. Uh, Jonathan someone. It doesn't matter. For the purposes of this bit, we're going to pretend it's okay, Jonathan it's Frakes. not, but... <laughs> In which uh, Jason Schwartzman's character makes some quip about like, oh, it's different based on how you remember it. It's like Rashomon. And then John Hodgman's character, his rival response, that's not the Rashomon I remember. (laughs) Nice. That could only be better if instead of Rashomon, it was Digimon. (laughs) That's not the Digimon I remember. (laughs) Rashomon, storytelling monsters. (laughs) There are as many stories in the story as there are people involved in it. Carol! Carol, haven't you been listening to a word I've been saying? And then we get a quick moving from the framing device of these journalists into the moment of the story montage and we see like the Great Depression, unemployment, prohibition, corrupt figures, gambling on the download, there's slot machines, there's gambling things, there's the mafia gathering together. So there's a bunch of mafia holding Tommy guns in front of this mansion and there's one guy who... From this episode we come to know is called Gustavo. He's not in the opening. He's just a bit player being like, we're the best. We're going to get out there. We're going to hit them hard. You know, it's it's very much, you know, they they put one of ours in the hospital. We put two of theirs in the morgue. Ah, I get the it. Godfather. Because they're, they're mafioso. Yeah. Whether it's the Gandors. Boom. Luck Gandor. Keith Gandor, etc. From the opening. Yeah. Or the Martillos. Firo Procinezzo. Maizzo. Oh, is that who yeah, they are? It's all linked. Right, okay. Whether it's the Gandors, we don't know who these guys are, but whether it's the Gandors or the Martillos, destroy them oh, without my... leaving a trace. This is going to be great to listen to, being like, oh, we don't know who these people are, but we know who these all people are. All you know is there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of crime families, and some mobster and some alchemists. <laughs> so, we are in the room, the offices of the Gandor crime family. Luck Gandor, who we saw getting shot up in the <gasps> the preview flashbacks, yep. is like in is getting himself redressed essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he, we don't know when this doing is his, taking place. He's doing his cufflinks. He's rolling up his sleeves. Whatever. They're talking about how they've recent just recently been hit. <gasps> they've been hit. A gambling hall, a bar, and a betting ticket office. Luckily, there weren't any casualties. Little does the man speaking realise that in this very same hit, Luck Gandor himself was shot up by a Tommy gun, as we'll see later in this episode. Wait, is this the same hit? Yeah. 
Oh. So basically, this is, a lot of this show is told out of order, but the yeah. basic timeline from what I can figure out is the scene we see later in this episode of Firo and Luck talking in the library and then getting shot up happens. Mm-hmm. They're both immortal, so they heal up. Luck Spoilers. goes back to the office, gets dressed, and then this panicked guy runs in and is like, we've been hit! Oh, okay, I thought that happened after, but all right. I guess that makes sense, yeah. Um, the bulkier Gandor, <laughs> I think it's Keith. It's probably just Keith, yeah. Loses his temper and is like, I'm going to go beat the shit out of those guys. Oh, we got one of them. Oh, yeah, let's beat the shit out of him. And he walks out of the room and starts punching a guy. Just just wailing into him, being like, hey, yeah, I don't remember you saying grr as an answer. But before that... So we're back with Carol and the director. It's like, we could start with the story of the warring crime families. And Carol's all like... We could. More could. on that now. <laughs> Nick. Nick. Yeah, so now Gustavo, the man who was directing all of those ang- mobsters with Tommy guns, is like, mm-hmm. we killed Luck Gandor. Everyone called him brilliant, but he's dead now. It was really easy. That sucker. The guy he's telling to, this unnamed mafia boss, just doesn't care. <laughs> he's just sitting there this, in his dressing in his, gown, yeah. in his pyjamas. We've like... also made preparations to get new model taxi bombs to fuck up the Martillos. Then it'll be all us. Hey, shut up for a second. You see the photo of this guy? Yeah, I see him, boss. That's, um, what's his friggin' name? Or Carol! <laughs> yeah, we just cut to Carol again. We just cut to Carol. Wouldn't it be strange if we were the beginning of this story, Carol? Title card. The vice director doesn't talk about the possibility of him being the lead character. <gasps> he wouldn't dare. It's 1931. Continuation of that previous scene. <laughs> it's 1931. The unnamed mob boss in the red dressing gown is like, This is Dallas Genoard. You killed his son and his brother. Without telling me. He's just called. He knows you killed them. What the fuck, dude? Oh, I, I didn't realise that. No, that's impossible. We paid off the Justice Department. It's impossible. Well, Gustavo, you better fucking solve this. But what about all the hits I'm doing real good at? Don't Gustavo, do you think I give a fuck about hits that you're doing right now? No, make this go away. How does Dallas know your name, Gustavo? How does Dallas know your name? Can I kill him? I don't care. Whatever, just get what we need and do what you will with them. And then the guy walks out of the room and Gustavo starts giving another big speech to the man and the unnamed mob boss is like, hey, that guy, that guy sucks. They're the Runarada family. Okay. The Runarada family. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Martillos, which is Firo. Yep. We've got Gandor, Keith, Luck, the other one, Berger, I think. <laughs> Berger. B-E-R-G-A. Berger. Could be, could be wrong. His name is Berger. Maybe. God, that's a cool name. And now the Runarada family. Yep. Also, Lad Russo is on the train <laughs> with a bunch of goons. Whenever Lad Russo is not in sight, everyone should be asking themselves where Whoa, and why is Lad Russo? So we're back um, with the Gandors and the one who got angry and walked out of the room and started punching someone is punching that guy. Why the fuck did you attack our turf? Tell me. And that guy's bleeding from the face. And he's like, Gur isn't an answer and slams his head into the floor. Yep. And, and then who should walk in? Luck. And he's like, what? But you're supposed to be dead. Well, I'm standing here right <laughs> now, you fucker. And then he's like, hey, Mr. Chick, Mr. Chick, we've got another one for you. And the door creaks open and there's this really cheery looking guy in there. Oh, but I'm just finishing up with the last one. <laughs> he's, and he's got covered in blood. He's got like a pair of scissors and there's a body in the back of someone. This is that classic, like deceptively polite mafia torturer archetype. Yep, yep. 
where, you know, he's like clean shaven, looking pretty good. This seems quite softly spoken, but he's just an absolute psychopath. And then behind him, there's like cats pinned to the wall. (laughs) Uh, He has this weird foot. No one knows if it's going to be very painful. And the guy who's getting his head mashed into the floor is like, I'll tell you everything, please, please. Who turned me into a beehive? That's Keith's voice. That's that's Luck's voice. (laughs) Get it? Because he was filled with holes. Now we see the hit on Luck. Oh, because he's referencing what's yeah. happened. Stories within stories. Uh, We're three flashbacks deep right now. Oh my That's God. why it's grayscale, basically. <laughs> so Luck is in the library. He's reading an Edgar Allan Poe poem. An Edgar Allan poem, if you will. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. <laughs> and Firo is there. He's like, hey, Luck. Oh, hey, Firo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this is this uh, learning Japanese with Bacano? Sorry, Bacano. It's just like, hey, Firo. Oh, hi, Luck. How is this learning Japanese? Because it's all simple sentences okay. so far. Well, then he reads some Japanese, some Japanese Edgar Allan poetry. Ah, oh, shit! Thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the grey tombstone. Not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy. What I'd be interested to know in is if in the subtitles here they have just transliterated that. Edgar Allan poetry mm-hmm. from the English version, or if there's been like a weird Google Translate phenomenon here, where it's been translated into Japanese mm-hmm. and then back into English via the anime servers. Oh, I get you, I get you. Yeah. So basically, I'd be interested to know if that is actually what the poem what, is, what, what or... Poe wrote, or if it's gone through a telephone game. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine if it was like, ah, uh, yes, my favorite Edgar Allan poem. Thy face remindeth me of a summer night's dream when back in car. I go. Look Have upon you... ye works, ye mighty. <laughs> and wonder nevermore, saith the poem, is one of my favourite all-time poems. <laughs> I was scared to death of this poem when I was young, but it's different now. I'm not scared of this poem or death since a year ago. And Fira's like, that's, that's weird, man. It seems my nervosity has disappeared as much as the need to fear. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, look. Towards death, that is. Uh, oh, well, look, I'm just here to tell you some stuff, all right? <laughs> Uh, strange people on our turf. You want us to help you fight them? I'll help you. We're, we're mates. Ever since that thing a year ago. Yeah, all right. Firo, please pretend you don't know I'm immortal or that there are people on our turf. It's our problem. Not theirs. So Luck is very business. Firo's a bit more personable, but mm. still a mafioso. Firo's trying to be nice, but yeah. Luck is very like, listen, it's all business. Don't let our I've called upon out. Vino. <gasps> Claire is coming over? Yes, on the flying pussyfoot tomorrow. Oh my, that's the train that we have heard some things Isaac about. Isaac and Maria are on the same train. Then Everyone I... knows each other. Then I guess we'll have a good reunion after all. And an old friend of Mr. Miser. Oh, oh I see. Uh, let's go back to the other okay. good people. Web of, no- of, of people who know each other. Yeah. Firo knows mm-hmm. Isaac and Maria. Yep. And also someone named Claire, who is an associate of Vino. Who is unknown to us. Yes. And then there's also uh, someone else. Okay. <laughs> yep, there's there's a bunch of people. We'll establish this web as we go, I guess. And then yeah. then some mobs just pull up and shoot them, shoot up the library. The nervous librarian crouches. Uh, it cuts away now, but let's just finish out this scene. Yep. Uh, then Firo runs and jumps and kicks a guy out of the car window. He, we can see that he's riddled with bullet holes. But he has no holes in his flesh. Yeah. <gasps> 
How mysterious. And then they beat up that guy. The cars drive away and Luck and Firo pick themselves up. Mm-hmm. They they say, sorry about the library to the librarian. We'll pay up the damage. Library, bookshop, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, oh, and please don't tell anyone. Oh, no. They, they'd all think I was crazy. The first place I'd be sent to is an asylum. Yeah. And then... That part doesn't happen yet Meanwhile, because we're in a different part. the feds are looking at bodies that fell off a train. His injuries are very bad, but he was definitely a passenger. Mm. How many bodies does this make? Over 10. Okay, great. Abandoned over a range of multiple kilometres on the track. So the train must have been moving. Mm. Mm. The detective and it's inspector... It's top secret. It's best you don't know. They turn around and leave. It seems he was aboard a, on board the train after all. An immortal. <gasps> Whoa. His name was on the passenger list at Chicago Station. Damn. And they also say, what is the status on that person's safety? We can assume from the second episode that they're referring to the family of the senator, I would guess. I assume so. At least at this point, now that we know something about it. Mm. But at the same time... (gasps) Survivors that fell from the train. (gasps) Survivors? Like who? And it cuts away now, but again, let's just finish that scene. It's, uh... Lad Russo and his wife. Lad is spattered in blood and waving a knife, being like, If I'd have known it would have turned out like this, I would have killed you long before, darling. And uh, the lady is just there looking very sad. That's, she's, she looks like half-closed eyes all the time. She doesn't speak much. She's got very sort of low blood sugar energy. Yeah, someone who donates blood every two weeks, you know? Blink twice if you're being held against your will. I hope our listeners heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, um, back to when Isaac got his ear cut by that spear. Mm-hmm. Why, it doesn't hurt. And your ear is fine. Wow, that's some good magic shit. What does that mean, do you think, Nick? Oh, maybe immortality can be, Could be learned. So then just look at this... Um, this cast. There's a quick uh, cut to the other perspective of the room. Mm-hmm. And we can see in the background here, there's... Uh, Ennis, Ennis. From the start. Yep, yep. Who was the lady in the bottle. Yep. Jacuzzi Splot and Friends. Yep, yep. So Jacuzzi Splot nice and Holly Lisa. Nice. Nice. Right. Um, there is that other woman in black from the train, which makes me believe this is a post-train scene. Okay. Because they didn't know her. But yeah. now she's just there with them. Okay. And then a bunch of people with samurai swords that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is this show? And then just a bunch of background extras that I see. Yep. Blue suit kid. Uh, casual guy who looks like Grit from Advance Wars I think these two guys here are the bartender and chef on the dining carriage in a later scene. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously... uh, A dead body. (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. That man is lying on the floor. And a blonde woman in the foreground holding a big spear. Ah, maybe that's Claire. Could be. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, it could be. No one knows at this point. No one is saying whose names Claire are Claire could also be the woman with the samurai sword. For all we know, Claire could be a made-up name. Some crazy magic. A pigeon might appear next. And then uh, we see, we cut away to blood splatter. Yeah, back to that shot of Cheslaw being shot in the face by Lad Russo. His body reforms and he's like, what an idiot. Pathetic. I will say, if, if, if a JoJo's World listener is having trouble following this, this is definitely the most disjointed episode. Yeah, I was watching it being like, what the fuck is happening? But thankfully the second episode then made it's it much It's a bit more clearer. of a coherent narrative. As far as a podcast listener is concerned, probably not going to get much easier though, <laughs> given how many characters there are. No, we'll pick it up. Okay, alright. Well, listen, I recommend you watch Barkano. It is available nowhere. nowhere. Absolutely <laughs> fucking nowhere. Oh. <sighs> Can we just have one simple, easy-to-access source of anime? Like some kind of 
crunchy roll-esque platform. So then our next scene, mm-hmm. I think this is the final scene of the episode. It's Firo, it's Maitza, it's Ennis and the Gandor family all meeting up to meet the train at the station. Yeah, so this is after the train yeah. event, whatever that may be. I heard the flying pussyfoot is a strange train, a decorative type, an antique of bad taste. What does it mean to say... I want to see it more and more. <laughs> what does it mean to say it's a decorative type? Everyone loves this beautiful train. They're all like, oh, this okay, sounds amazing. So that previous scene has to be post-train yeah. because Ennis is there and Ennis is not on the train. Ah. And Isaac and Maria were getting on the train to go see Ennis, as we learned ah, in episode two. True that, true that. The flying pussyfoot had some mechanical trouble, so the passenger cars were switched from flat cars. So we won't see it in all its glory. Oh. And the front car will be switched with an electric car. Oh. But we want to see the train. I want to see the full train. Mr. Miser, what kind of person is this old friend of yours? A person who likes to be on his own and carry all of his burdens himself. Mm. That type wouldn't live long, would he? Oh, oh, luck. How ironic that you've said that to me. (laughs) Claire is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. All right, sure. We still don't know who Claire is. The train arrives. A person who we don't know but keep getting significant shots of in, like, just green clothing and a bandana gets off. Um, we see nothing else further for the rest of the episode. Nice holy stone and jacuzzi splot disembark. Jacuzzi appears to be in some pain. And probably very apologetic, mm-hmm. as he is to do. Bunch of uh, luggage is getting fished out of a river, and uh, Chane, Chain, is getting is uh, floating down the river in a box. Yep, Chain, black dress from an orchestra probably. Isaac and Maria are dressed as a cowboy and a jazz singer. <laughs> Or um, maybe one of those, like, um, saloon floozies. Yep, yep, yep. And they're like, hey! Hey, all the New York-based characters, we know you all! We're all friends here! Pat, pat. The the over-accentuated patting from Isaac is both in character and very awkward. You look like shit, Isaac! <laughs> oh, if you live long enough, I'll tell you all about it! <laughs> We're all immortal. <laughs> And that's the end of the first episode. Miser has significant eye contact with Cheslaw, the child. The child who got shot in the head, but mm-hmm. then his head reformed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who's Miser? He is Firo's mentor. Ah, but we don't know no, that he, yet. I don't remember him having a very significant part in the show. Why is he named in the intro then? Because he's Firo's mentor. Ah. And he's on the... We saw him on the ship. Yeah, okay, sure. Sure. So I think he's a significant background character, but he doesn't do a lot to drive the plot forward. It's also been ten years, so I could be misremembering. Yeah. Okay, great. That's episode one. And with that disjointed, noisy ruckus out of the way, <laughs> we move into episode two. The train. Everyone's boarding the train. <gasps> We're at the start of the train voyage. The transcontinental train from New York to Chicago. The flying pussyfoot. A magical beast, if ever I've seen the, the tra- feat of engineering. This is an old man who loves trains talking about trains. Yes, he's this like looking at it. It's just... a travelling ornament built by the Nebula Corporation. Ah. An imitation of the English royal train. His wife is then like... Apparently I... the fact hmm? that the first class cabin, which is usually in the back, is next to the engine, is unusual. And it's to match with the engravings. Ah. However, it does come across as bad taste as well. Anyway, shall we get on the train, my dear? No, I don't think we will. But what? Everyone's going to die on this train. I don't like it. Is this your sixth sense acting up again? It is my sixth sense, darling. Yes. 
It's never, is, been, it's never been wrong before. Why is every character I make now just Morty, but at different ages? Or that's different not what I got females? from that voice. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, it's entirely different. Excellent. <laughs> I'm the queen now. The only ones who are going to survive will be those with extraordinary good luck or those who are no longer human. So let's fuck off before we die. Episode 2. Title card. Ignoring the anxiety of the old woman, the flying pussyfoot departs. <gasps> how dare it. What's the IMDb thing? In 1931, the Flying Pussyfoot train departs for New York on the Grand Punk Railroad, carrying a group of mostly unrelated passengers. The Grand Punk Railroad. Which I did a quick Google of and appears to be entirely a reference to the band Grand Funk Railroad. Right, okay, sure. Bit of IMDb trivia as we transition from one to two. Yep. According to um, Ryoto Narita, the creator of Bakano, mm-hmm. the main protagonist of the whole saga is Firo. However, Narita also found him a plain character and had difficulty giving him a suitable storyline. Good to know that the main character is bland and might have a bad story. However, he solved the problem once he had Firo fall in love with Ennis. Spoilers. <laughs> okay, alright. I just remembered something else about the show. There is a lot of flying whales with dooms. Sure. You can't bait me into talking about Death Stranding when we're an hour into a recap, Nick. It's true, I can't. California, 1930. What? But that's a year before the train leaves. We spend a quick year with Isaac and Maria doing bits while they mine for gold and fail. Now, this reminded me a lot of, like, that old-style anime of, like, when we were in high school some, what, like, 13 fucking years ago or something. And... Like, the type of comedy that every anime had at that time. Classic setup punchline material. Yeah, pretty much. But it was always like, oh, we're being goofy and quirky kind of comedy. Yeah, and that's the whole energy of these two characters, too. Mm. Being very quirky, very goofy, so very non-committal. Pleasant music plays, and Maria is like, hey, Isaac. Yes, Maria. What <laughs> are we doing? Big thumbs up. And like tilts his mining hat. What are we doing in this cave? Oh, we're going to dig up gold. (gasps) Dig up gold? And by gold, do you mean kin? The Japanese word for gold? Oh, I get it now. This is a once in a lifetime chance. You see, Maria, we're thieves and we're going to steal gold from the earth. No one's ever done that before. Wow. Not any mining company ever. (laughs) Boom! Take that. Fucking roasted. (laughs) Our names will go down in history, Maria. Five months later. The same cave. But now they have a mailbox that says Isaac and Maria. Oh, Much like Jeff had a mailbox on that fateful night. Liam, you do not just drop that fucking bomb on me. Yeah, I can't wait for Geese to just show up and pull Isaac's heart out in front of Maria. (laughs) Speaking of a bombshell, Mm -hmm. last night I rewatched one clip from The Office. UK or US? US, where Kevin decides to make... So every year... He makes uh, his famous chili and he brings it into the office and it's a huge success every time. Okay. Um, Kevin is a character who is constantly made fun of throughout the entire show. Oh, he's the Jerry of the office. Yes, exactly. He is the Jerry. And he comes in, he starts like monologuing. That could be a reference to either Jerry from Rick and Morty or Jerry from Parks and Recreation. It works both ways. It really does. Um, And Kevin's like a bit slow. He always talks like this because he has a slack jaw and he's not very quick on the uptake. Um, But he's like big guy, has this huge like, like silo of chili, right? And he's like, this is my famous chili. 
the secret is that I, and he just goes into this huge amount of detail in like the recipe and we cut to him going up the stairs explaining how much effort he's put into this chili. Walks up the stairs, gets into the office and then he just says, you know, really, I just love making the chili. And then he drops it. Is oh. He's like fumbling, he's like, oh no, oh no. And then he's like, you know, every year, once a year, I just put the entire night into making this chili. And he's desperately trying to put it back into oh. the silo with like office binders or paper or whatever he can find. And he's like, it's probably the thing I'm most proud of. And he just, which I Why watched is this a bombshell? Because I watched it, right? And then I couldn't stop laughing for like five minutes. And I was with a friend and they were like, Nick, are you okay? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. And it was like a, like literally like a bombshell of comedy in my mind where something just exploded into all other places where comedy exists and just went, this is funny. This is a humorous joke. And I just kept laughing. I'm happy for you. And then this morning, you know what I did? You watched that sketch again. No, I just kept laughing. Okay. I struggle. I struggle now to maintain a straight face if I think about it because it's the thing he's most proud of. Okay. Vignette two. Hey, Isaac. Oh, hey, Maria. Everyone else is panning for gold in the river. Why are we digging a hole? Bonk. He freezes for a moment, but his smile does not waver. He's like one frame of... Yeah. Because that's what amateurs would do, right? And also, when I tried to do it, they yelled at me. <laughs> Apparently, I was on their turf. But I saw a centipede go into this mine. And in the far distant east, the centipede is the god of gold. <gasps> so that's when I knew there was gold in this cave. Of course! That means we're going to be rich! And then she runs out and screams and echo, echo, echo. We're going to be rich! Four months later... Hey, Isaac. Yes. Same pose. Exactly we got a letter from pose. our friend Ennis in New York. Oh. Beloved, my dearest Isaac and Maria. It's been almost a year since you left New York. Nothing has changed here, but I'm lonely without the two of you. And also, your gold mining is not working. So why don't you come back? Isaac falls out of his hammock and is like, Yeah, they've got a little what? couch in the cave, a hammock, and a nice little bear cushion on the couch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, all the essentials in 1931 now. I think of the two of you as my brother and sister, and I miss you. I was unable to meet my real brothers, those who existed before I was created. Interesting choice of words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't worry, it's all fan subs. We're going to get up to that... Um... No, that's, that's, that's a sensible choice of word for the context. When I was created? Yes. What do you mean? The mystery of Bacano. I swear to God, if this just means since I was born. If I think about them, I get very sad. But thanks to the two of you, I was able to overcome my sadness. Hey Isaac, I'm Miss Maria. Does she mean her brothers who have already died? No, no, she means she wants a new baby brother. But we're not her mum, so we can't help with that. That's true. So maybe we should buy her a nice gift. (gasps) That requires money. Yes, we should do a train robbery. Now, what's a train robbery? Let's humorously misunderstand that. Well, a train robbery is where you get on a train. You ride it to a destination. You do a robbery. And you get back on the train. And you ride it back. All right, we're going to do that. We're going to go steal from some mobsters and then ride the train. Hell yeah. And we see a quick vignette where a man is listening to baseball and some mobsters are carrying money to a car. And suddenly Isaac and Maria are there. They hit, they're dressed as baseball players. They hit the mobsters with baseball bats, grab their suitcases and run. And they're like, yes, we're heroes of justice. <laughs> and that's kind of their whole deal. Mm. 
Are they a thing? No one knows. Do we care? Probably not. They just seem to succeed over and over again at outlandish schemes. I don't know if succeed is the right word. They got the suitcases full of money. That is true. And also, they're potentially immortal, so... Who knows what's going to Their failures don't really <laughs> mean anything. Yeah. Ooh, and so then they're getting on the train, they're in their cowboy outfits, because I guess they're coming back from Gold Rush, California. Hmm... Y- yes, yes, they are. Yes, I mean, it's far, far post Gold Rush, but yeah. <laughs> but they're now going to be dressed up as a uh, cowboy and uh, floozy. Yeah. Wow, all those people are dressed in black and holding instrument cases. They must be an orchestra getting on the train. An orchestra? How exciting! How exciting! We're talking Beethoven. We're talking Mozart. We're talking every <laughs> classical musician that existed before 1931. And the very sinister leader is like the instruments are fragile, so be careful with them. Not that kind of fragile. And we see China with them. Oh damn it! Chain. That Chain. Yeah. Look, Nick. <laughs> If we're going to talk Death Stranding, we're going to talk Death Stranding. Oh, God. You can't bait me into it. <laughs> is, is it. Is it Chain or is it... I'm not sure. Is it Ennis? No, it's not Ennis. It's not Ennis. Ennis is waiting in New York. Then it's probably... They're going to see Ennis. Then it's probably Chain. Another point on our people who know each other board. Isaac and Maria are really good friends with Ennis. Ah, the red dot. Now, let's put a nice big, like, uh, string around that dot. Move it over here. And who's here? Who do you see here? Ennis. No. Everyone. Uh, the conductors have a nice little aside. There's a young conductor, a middle-aged conductor, and an old conductor. The old conductor is grey. And grey. The young conductor is like, I finally get to ride the flying pussyfoot. I've waited for this day for so many years, and the old conductor is like, I don't really like this train. You know, I'm one day from retiring, yep. one more voyage, and I'm out of this, this shithole. This train voyage will be my last. It's, it's the job of young conductors like you to see it into the new era. And I will, for I think this will be the greatest train of its age. Yeah, well, you're wrong. Yes, well. But I am looking forward to this last voyage. Anyway... Gonna go walk over there for a while now. Uh, the young conductor is like, all right, middle-aged man, let's go get this train a-rolling. And we see in a couple of scenes time, the young conductor walking alongside the train and then it's just someone grabs him. <laughs> Wait, you mean the old conductor? Sorry, yes. The old conductor gets gets grabbed and he's dead. We see his body floating in a ditch later in the One episode. One day from retirement. That's like the quickest turnaround from death foreshadowing to death I've ever seen. <laughs> It's like literally like six frames and then he's gone. Jacuzzi Splot is uh, getting on the trains like uh, with, with his friends. Looks like there are some guards in the luggage room. Maybe our crazy scheme on this train won't work. Yeah, you need to chill, man. Nah, don't worry. What we're aiming for is stored in a different luggage room. We're going to be fine. Says Nice Holystone, ever confident. And then his two friends that are unnamed. unnamed. But one of them is blonde and has a goatee. The other is big, tan and speaks slowly. Mm. And he's like, look, even if... I had to take him. I think I would. I've like, created a hidden space in the luggage room for us to do our work. Ooh. Is like that explosions them? or something? Is that them saying it or is it this man saying it to Cheslow? Ah. Ah. Cheslow is standing. Cheslow. Cheslow is standing with a man over him, looming. Keep in mind, Cheslow looks to be probably about a seven-year-old child, eight-year-old. Possibly less. Mm-hmm. Hard to determine. And this man is wearing a trench coat. Yeah, he's not an important character. <laughs> but who is he? No one knows yet. Meanwhile, Isaac and Maria are standing between the black-clothed, quote-unquote, orchestra, mm-hmm. loading up their, quote-unquote, instruments, Yep. and the white-clothed Lusso, R- Russo crime group. 
who consist of Lad Rousseau. His low blood sugar fiance. Mm-hmm. Who is Lau? No, it's, it's an interesting name that I keep forgetting. Chimney. And he's like, what kind of rich people will be on this train, do you think? Huh? Ah, a senator's daughter. An orchestra. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, is this where we see the shot of the senator's daughter? No, it's in a little bit. Okay. Oh, yes. So, yes, that, you're right. You're right. Yes! For There's the first time s- in my life. Senator Berriam's wife and daughter. I've seen them in the paper. They're surely enjoying their ride right now. Little do they realise that we are going to get up to some shenanigans. And Lad Rousseau looks back and he's all like, I'm the best around. So Lad Rousseau's whole thing is he's kind of like a cheery psychopath. <laughs> mm. Well, not really cheery so much as... Energetic. Energetic, yeah. Let's go take good care of the poor passengers. Let's detest them as if they were maggots. With with love. With anger. Thoroughly. 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 Let's mash them. And then some other guy from the group is like, Hey lad, I got a conductor's uniform. And lad like looks at him, approaches him, hugs him. He's like, you're the friggin' best man. It's a good time. If you want to die. Wow, those guys are in all white, say Isaac and Maria. They must be in a wedding party. A happy wedding. This is going to be the best train ride ever. (laughs) So suitable for our train robbery. Um, And Isaac is like, this is going to be the best. And Maria's like, wait, but I thought we already did the robbery. We already robbed. So we're using the train to run, right? And Isaac pauses. It's all part of the train robbery. It's exactly as you say. Conductor's body floats through the sewers. Uh, we get a mid card, which we will skip over because it doesn't matter because it's just a mid card for Bacano. So that's very confusing. We so get far. a quick cutaway to Senator Barium of Senator Barium's wife and daughter's fame, ah. being like, "Is that item on the train?" Yes, sir. But also, you should know your wife and daughter are on the passengers list. Should we be concerned? We could do an organised, uh, an emergency stop when they could disembark. No, 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 no. no, no. It's not important. You see, choosing between my family and this item, the item is the more important thing. Mm. The family are just coincidentally coming on the same train. They don't matter, though. Nothing matters. I'm getting the impression this senator might not be a very nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a dude. Who just, look, you know, he's just a guy. You know, we've, we've all been in that situation where we have something very important in a luggage bag that's being carried by our family, and we just don't care about our family <laughs> so much as the luggage bag. Everyone that we like is in the dining cart. We've got Isaac and Maria. We've got Jacuzzi Splot and Nice Holystone. It's the most accurate description. <laughs> Everyone that we like, specifically Nick and Liam like, because they're interesting Well, they're so all the far. protagonist-y characters, right? Well, hang on a minute. Are you saying that Lad Rousseau couldn't be a protagonist? Are you saying that Firo couldn't be a protagonist? But he's not on the train. Oh, but he's protagonist-ish. Come on now. <laughs> yes, Jacuzzi is like, oh my god, what happens if something goes wrong? What happens if this thing goes wrong? I heard that something could go wrong. Yeah. Did you see that guard over there? So he's wrong. Niece is like... Hey, look at those two. They're so bombastic. It's Isaac and Maria. They're so bombastic and cheerful. Maybe they're movie stars. You should go talk to them, Jacuzzi. Then you might be a movie star too. The cook is like, for some reason they've only... I think the cook is meant to be Chinese or Asian. Because uh, he's like, for some reason they've only been ordering Chinese food. And why is that? Dunno. <laughs> oh, sorry. No idea. They're eating a really big spring roll each. Yeah, they. I think they have forks yeah. that they stab into what looks like a pie. It's a bowl of noodles. Is it a bowl of Big noodles? Big bowl of noodles. Oh, so it is. Never mind. It's a bowl of noodles that I thought was a pie. Go talk to them, Jacuzzi. 
I don't want to. I'm so scared. And he clasps his head in his hands melodramatically. Nice waves cheerfully. They wave back. And Jacuzzi is thrust forward. The chef is like, don't tease Jacuzzi so much. I'm not teasing him. It's good for his development. Trivia. <gasps> Trivia? Trivia. Ryogo Narita wanted to make a character that didn't act like he looked, so he made the outlaw Jacuzzi Splot a shy crybaby and gave a large sword tattoo on his face. Mm, that's some good trivia. Mm -hmm. The character of Isaac Denan was loosely based on Monkey Puncher's fun-loving thief, Arsene Lupin III. Mm. We know Lupin. We all know Lupin. Especially Lupin III. I don't. The thief. The anime thief. He's on the list. <gasps> oh, that Lupin III. You know Lupin III. Yeah, I know Lupin III. Yeah. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> when Ryogo Narita designed Nice Hollystone... He wanted her to have an appearance that left a strong impression, and so gave her an eye patch. Upon realising that many other characters sported an eye patch, he had her wear her eyeglasses over the eye patch, making her look distinct. Ah, interesting. And, questionably, why wouldn't she just wear a monocle? That's stuck in viewers' minds. Got some spoiler-based trivia there that I will not be sharing at this time. Bah. Actually, I can share this piece of trivia because we saw from episode one this character does survive the train, right? Okay. Ryogo Narita was not fond of Chain Laferette and Ooh. thought of getting her killed at the Flying Pussyfoot hijacked. Ooh. But as time passed, he grew fond of her character and rewrote her as surviving the hijack. Interesting. Very interesting. So what, what you're saying is the author doesn't like her, then liked her, and now she's alive. Yes. Huh. Radio. And finally, final bit of trivia. Ryogo Narita's favourite character in the Bakano saga is the hitman Lad Russo. Ooh, Lad Russo's a hitman. Mm -hmm. Ooh, interesting. I so, never would have guessed. Jacuzzi has to go speak to Isaac and Maria. And they're like, wow, dude, you sure are cool. Look at that big tattoo. Jacuzzi is like, <laughs> are you a movie star? Uh, You're amazing. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I, I'm, I brew alcohol and sell it. No, that's a lie. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just a delinquent. He's having a big Shinji moment. Hmm. Where he just breaks down crying as Maria and Isaac are De just like, They declare victory over him. <laughs> we've done it. We've broken him. <laughs> we destroyed Jacuzzi. And then they're all, they're all... Next time we see them, they're all hanging out and having a good time. It's all you can eat! Cut away to the chef. It's, it's not all it's you can eat. It's <laughs> absolutely not all you can eat. Meanwhile, meanwhile, on the train. Meanwhile, we cut back to the same people later. Oh. Isaac is sharing some wisdom. <gasps> What's he sharing? You genuinely were just like... Cows funny. are herbivores. Go on. So if you eat a cow, mm -hmm. it's the same as eating grass and meat. Mm -hmm. Maria just keeps chiming in with things like, you're so smart, Isaac. Uh-huh, yeah. When you eat something that's been eaten, it's the same as eating that thing itself. Mm. It's not limited to just food. If you mm. steal a bag and it's full of money, you have both the bag and the money. <laughs> that That is correct, yes. Hmm. That's what they did. <laughs> That's the whole discussion. The bartender has been is all. It's been a while since I saw Jacuzzi enjoy himself this much. He is the saddest man on earth. He has a panic attack about stepping forward. It's so, a good thing he's encountered the happiest people on earth on this train who don't understand the meaning of anything. Decisions. <laughs> nice and Jacuzzi get bumped into by kids playing. Mm -hmm. We see that one of the kids is the senator's daughter, mm -hmm. and one of the kids is secret immortal Cheslaw Meyer. Wait a minute. Wait a Cheslaw. minute. Cheslaw? Cheslaw? Why is he with the senator's daughter? I don't know. Oh, this grows more and more strange with every passing moment. The senator's 
wife and the senator's daughter's wife's the uh, senator's daughter's mother <laughs> comes over and apologizes and then they're all sitting at the same bar together natalie berriam my daughter is called mary i'm jacuzzi splot and this is nice and we're isaac and maria we're all having a great time in the dining car of the train the flying pussyfoot it's 1931 and nothing can possibly go wrong Meanwhile, everything's going uh, correct with Cheslaw. Cheslaw gives his real name and then he's like, oh, should I have given my real name? Anyway, back to pretending to be an innocent kid. <laughs> I have a beret. It's a, one of those newsboy caps, mm. not a beret. What's the difference between a beret and one of those newsboy I caps? I think it's structure and the brim at the front. The brim at the front. Okay, that makes more sense. A beret is more of a whimsical muse hat, whereas a newsboy cap is sort of like a child labour hat. Sure, yeah. Don't be naughty, Cheslaw. If you do anything bad, you might get eaten by the rail tracer. And Jacuzzi is like, what? What's the rail tracer? Because they do a fun um, double fake out where they're talking to Cheslaw and they both point simultaneously at Jacuzzi instead, not realising that they are about to... just, Just by telling a simple ghost story, inflict... Impossible levels of mental trauma <laughs> on Jacuzzi Splot. The he, saddest, scaredest man there is. He literally immediately is like, oh, but the, what, what are they? And I love this line where they're like, what? Don't you know about the rail trays at Jacuzzi? Simultaneously look at him. Red light underlit from their faces. Super sinister expressions. Maria and Isaac both look at him deadly seriously. The rail tracer is a monster that chases trains. Meanwhile, simultaneously in... The conductor's cabin, Mm -hmm. the young conductor is telling the middle-aged conductor this very same story. So here's how the story goes. Under the cover of darkness, Mm -hmm. bit by bit it closes in on the train. It changes into the shape of various things. And if it catches the train, everyone aboard will disappear. (gasps) It starts at the back of the train, but makes its way forward until one by one, no one is left. And it will be as if the train never existed. (gasps) <laughs> well, I'm a middle-aged conductor and I've heard such stories before. What's, but have you heard this one, old man? What's even creepier? Cut back to the dining cart. Even creepier! If you tell this story aboard a train, you draw the attention of the rail tracer towards you. Big end of ghost story expressions on their faces. And um, jacuzzi. I really like this one shot. In my photo here, it's cut away, but Jacuzzi looks kind of scared for a second. Niece sort of leans into the background of the frame, sort of look, looking ordinary levels of end of ghost story scared. Just like a, But then ah. Jacuzzi like slams his elbows up to his head and like cuts her out of frame. <laughs> that was a nice little sequence, I thought. I fucking love it. It's that, you know how I was saying like the, the anime that we watched in high school had that goofy kind of humor? Yeah. There's a lot of that here. Yeah, it's, it's very typical anime. Mm. That's why... In our Hunt for Bakano episodes today, we found a YouTube video entitled something like Top 10 Failed Animes. (laughs) And Bakano was the image. Oh, good times. There's one method to prevent the rail tracer from coming. And Jarkano desperately hoping to... Jarkano? Sorry. Uh, Jacuzzi. (laughs) Jarkano Splot, protagonist of Bakano. Jarkano Splot. Hi, I'm John Bakano. So, uh... Jacuzzi is like, what? How is it done? Desperate to try and prevent the catastrophic disaster Meanwhile, that will inevitably ensue. Meanwhile, in the conductors... Sorry, can you take that again? Uh, jacuzzi splot. And nev- just desperately trying to cast back the inevitable from occurring. The darkness overtaking the flying pussyfoot. Can it be done? He yearns for the answer. 
you really put a lot of mustard on that retake. Dick. I know, I know. <laughs> I might leave that in. Excellent. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the conductor's cabin, the middle-aged conductor is like, it's time to activate the evil plan I'm part of. And he uh, opens the window and like flashes the light and the black-suited quote-unquote orchestra members have mirrors to redirect it down the train. And, and they like, start giving uh, yes. hidden signals. And start getting out their guns and things like that. From there instrument cases as planned split into teams of three and get to business i and middle-aged conductor is like i also know a story like that oh you know another way to save people from the rail tracer something like that yeah turns out there is no way to stop the rail tracers a story of ghosts who call themselves lemures <gasps> lemures and the guy the lead one of the orchestra members is like all we have is our loyalty towards sir huey laforette huey Huey. Every time they Fucking said, Huey. Every time they said Huey, I was waiting for you to go, Ugh. Let us overcome life and death and fulfill our ultimate wish of becoming reunited with Sir Huey, who has obtained eternal life. Ugh. So these guys are halfway between mobsters and a cult, I guess. Yeah, it's you're getting a strong kind of like occult bad doers. We no longer fear death, for we are ghosts with the breath of light. Anyway. What do we have to do again to save the train, Maria? Says I don't know, I've never heard this story before. Isaac and Maria scratch their chins going, hmm, I mean, Jacuzzi doesn't need to know, I guess. Jacuzzi's freaking out. Bartender is like, hey, I think I heard the young conductor telling the same story. Oh, then I should go see him and save the train. We need to save the train. <laughs> Jacuzzi splot runs out of the room. He's gone. He's running down. Middle-aged conductor t- continues expositing about Huey LaFarrette. He uh, was a great leader among ghosts until the American government arrested him and tomorrow he's going to stand trial. So they're going to be doing a ritual. (gasps) A ritual? A ritual in order to welcome our great teacher back to our midst. And this train is the altar upon which the passengers shall be sacrificial lambs. Says the big orchestra man as we cut back to the orchestra people. Yep. Middle-aged conductor continues by taking the passengers of this train along with the senator's family hostage. We can demand the release of our leader and our great leader Huey will return to us. (laughs) And he's looking increasingly unhinged and young conductor is looking increasingly worried. Uh, Now, I'm not saying the parallels of Metal Gear Solid here are profound, but he is demanding the body of Huey? No. Okay, never mind. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say We demand the body of Huey In order to stop death In our super soldiers It doesn't happen oh, okay Yeah that does kind of happen In Metal Gear Solid 5 There you go uh, Jacuzzi runs headlong Into Lad Who was like What the fuck And Lad's like uh, Jacuzzi is like I'm sorry I'm going go, to go To the conductor's room I'm sorry Hey don't I know you Oh well it doesn't matter Middle aged conductor Pulls a gun on young conductor And to be continued <gasps> Oh my god So Nick Yeah Bunch of people pulling out guns on the train, the flying pussy, which people we like and people we don't like are aboard. There is also the Lad Russo hitman group aboard. What will happen next time on Barkano in the episode entitled Randy and Petso are busy getting ready for the party. Hmm. Randy and Petso are busy getting ready. Is this... Is this the... the un- and also, I'll give you episode four title too. Okay. Lad Russo enjoys talking a lot and killing a lot. <laughs> Okay, episode three. What's going to happen is that two of the unnamed characters are going to start talking about 
meeting up with Firo. Oh, they're of course Randy and Pizza. Exactly. The two unnamed chef and bartender characters. Could be, could right? be. And they're going to start prepping me like, so what are you going to do when we get there? Oh, this is what we're going to do I'm when we get there. I'm going to go see Ennis. And they'll be like, Ennis? We know Ennis. Hooray! And everyone will know Ennis. Yes. Uh, we all love Ennis. <laughs> a character who has done nothing but stand in the background of other scenes and write a letter. <laughs> in terms of Lad Russo... I guess he's just going to talk a lot about how he enjoys killing, but not actually do any killing or talking. He'll just say that he likes doing these two oh, things. Oh, okay. Right? And then do you think maybe like when the the uh, Lemures, that's what they were called. The Lemure. When yeah. they start um, killing people, this is going to be like, this is Lad Russo's time to shine. I reckon Lad Russo will have something to do with why the orchestra fails to... Kill everyone. Kill everyone on the train. Um, and he'll be like, hey... I'm the leading guy. Fuck you. What will happen when Jacuzzi Splot gets to the conductor's carriage? He's going to A, freak out. It, what is the fate of the young conductor? Oh, who just had no. a gun pulled on him. By <laughs> he's the immortal. By the middle-aged conductor. Uh, well, he's going to fucking die, isn't it? He's going to be... <laughs> his brain's going to be blown out. And, and Jacuzzi will be like, no, no. Not the young conductor. So, he had so many years. We know. Lud Rousseau and his wife, fiance, end up... Off the train. Off the train and... As does heavily Char- wounded. Charnay slash Chain Lafarette, presumed mm. daughter of Huey Lafarette. So obviously something's going to happen because they both had their gangs. Yeah. So obviously some kind of yeah. confrontation We regarding... know that one of the Russo gang stole a conductor's uniform. Yeah. So maybe the Russo gang are going to stop the train? And shoot Cheslaw in the face for some reason. Yep, shoot Cheslaw. Uh, what are Isaac and Maria going to get up to? A nice and jacuzzi. Well, I reckon Isaac and Maria, the crazy, happy, good go-getters that they are, yep. will just go on their own little antics and just be like, hey! They'll be like sort of blissfully unaware of the horrors occurring yes. for as long as possible. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, and that's where the humour comes in. Yeah, and Lisa and Jacuzzi will obviously... Nice. Sorry, ni- nice and Jacuzzi. So it's spelt nice, but I think it's pronounced nice. <laughs> like, that's how people like, seem to be saying it. Like Francais. Because there's a city in, uh, in oh, France I see. called no, uh, okay. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so Nice will be uh, helping Jacuzzi cope and helping him stay alive yep. as they run through the horrors of Just multiple people. Just trying to stay one step ahead of these two groups of murderers. Exactly. And Lad Russo will start coming after him at some point being like, hey, it's that kid. Well, the more the merrier for my bullets. <laughs> Who else is there? No one at this point... Any thoughts about off-train people? I don't think we're going to see anything about them in these next two episodes. Okay. I think they're just going to be waiting as the train... However, Carol's going to get a lecture again. Carol! Carol! Nick, what are our highlights and lowlights this episode? My highlight would absolutely have to be the cave sequence with Maria and Isaac. That was good banter. Where I realised, oh, this is a slightly older anime. (laughs) We're going to have ridiculous comedy. Yeah. My highlight, I think, again, Isaac and Maria, I think they're a leading light on this show, yep. is the Rail Tracer story. Just the way they were so, like, synchronised in their sudden switch to ominous yep. Yep. storytelling and then, uh, like, dropping out of it at the same time and mm-hmm. back in. Mm-hmm. Lowlights. Lowlights. I think my lowlight has to be the big, like... Okay, I, I, mean, I have mixed feelings on... I think it's my lowlight, but I have mixed feelings on it, mm-hmm. on the... But Carol, how can you track when the story truly begins with so many moving pieces? Yep. Because from what I understand, this is 
not the earliest, as 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 he said, mm-hmm. this is not the earliest part of the Bacano story. Yeah. There's context that it's like whether or not it's the first book or not, I'm not sure. But mm. there's context of events with these characters all knowing each other as we as we've seen this episode. Yes. So it's hard to have a smooth entry point, particularly when there's so much asynchronous storytelling happening. Mm. But also it was kind of eye rolling just having this like smug monocle guy being like. But Carol's stories change depending on who tells them, and it's quite arbitrary the point of the story you have chosen, Carol. Don't you understand? Information is lost in a black hole, much like the black hole of this narrative. Carol, why do I, the deputy director of this newspaper, employ a child as my assistant, Carol? Is it because I'm I'm really useful? I suppose so, Carol. 200 points, Carol. Out of how many? Information varies from place to place, Carol. Yeah, it went on for a little mm. while. Yeah, it did. It was literally half that episode yeah. was just him saying, Carol. Is this story's a bit complicated? Yeah. Like that's all you needed to say. <laughs> um my low light is going to be low blood e- uh, sugar levels lady. Just kind of I need, yeah, I, well, I need to know. Like, lady, blink twice if you're in an abusive relationship. Yeah, but so far we know nothing about her, what she's doing there. Or anything. Lad Russo is cool. Uh, we He's know, cool in that sort of joker way. We can imply or infer that Chain is part of the orchestra from her outfit. I'm going to try and figure... Okay, this is my homework for next episode. Figure out how to pronounce that name. <laughs> and we know that... Um, like even the unnamed conductor had more time to do stuff than her and we just don't know anything about her other than Nick I'm pleased to announce that between the start and end of this episode I have remembered who Claire is who's Claire? I'm not going to tell you damn it good what were you saying sorry? well that was it that was the whole thing great I was just like she's got nothing she's nothing Lua Klein. That's the Lua name of Vlad Rasso's fiance yeah low blood sugar levels lady Lua Klein I'm going to look it up now (laughs) How to pronounce Chain's name. Bacano. Desperate. Need now. Urgent. Will need delivery by 6am. It's a French name. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, ah. a, well, as a boy's name at least. So Charm. Or Chanet? No, because then it'd be accented. A French name meaning oak-hearted. Oak-hearted. How interesting. There are days where I've felt pretty oak-hearted. Shane. 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 That's probably where the name Shane comes from in English. Could be. Yeah. So why has she got a... Typically, male name in the 1930s. Curiouser and curiouser. Well, Nick, I'm sure we'll find out next time on JoJo's World World Tour hashtag Bacano Stop of the Train. (laughs) Is the train called the Flying Pussyfoot? Flying JoJo's World. The Flying JoJo's World. And until then, to to be be continued. continued. Arrivederci.